Okay, good morning everyone. My name is Sydney and I have my co-host today, Alma. You are tuning in for Book Club for Baddies. So we just wanted to do a little introduction since this is our very first podcast ever. And I wanted to kind of get into why we chose the name Book Club for Baddies. If you look up what baddie means in Urban Dictionary, it is a female who can hold her own, take care of herself. She is pretty and independent. Our podcast is about reviewing books that we find interesting and kind of juicy, controversial topics. Um, Some will be about marriage like this one, marriage, relationship, monogamy. Some will be about other topics like family relationships or spiritual growth, self-help, just things that I feel like aren't maybe talked about as much or they're starting to gain more relevance in today's society. People are being more open and talking about these subjects in a more open environment where people feel okay to come out and talk about the things that they're going through and like mental health. And so I find it really important to be able to have conversations with your family and your friends or people around you that allow you to feel heard because everyone needs to feel like they can express themselves in a safe environment. And so we wanted to start this podcast where we can talk about these subjects and it might not be the normal accepted way of what people think about these topics that might be completely different. And I just want it to be a space where you can come and like listen to what we're talking about and feel like maybe you do or don't think the same way that we think about these topics, but that's okay because everybody has their own opinion and they're entitled to their own opinion. We are reviewing books on many different topics. One week you might not give a shit about what we're talking about and that's totally fine, but then you can tune in to the next week and it might be something that you're really interested in. So I hope you guys really enjoy what we talk about. I have my co-host Alma here. We're gonna just kind of get into a little bit about who we are as people and then we'll get into the book. So Alma, say a little bit about yourself. Hey guys, I'm Alma, your co-host, and I'm originally from Bosnia. Uh, lived there for 21 years, decided to move here by myself, start a new life, and yeah, basically start from the scratch. And here I am. I do, at the moment, I do real estate, and I really do enjoy reading interesting books that give me insight in certain things that I want answers to. So this book is pretty cool and we're gonna review it for you guys. Hi, my name is Sydney. I was born in Virginia and when I was five I moved here to Georgia. Both my parents are Canadian and growing up I definitely feel like the way that my parents were in the household really shaped who I am as a person. We had really open communication as a family and we were allowed to have our own opinions, our own ideas and thoughts. You know, we weren't raised super religious. My parents gave us the freedom to kind of be whoever we wanted to be. And I really appreciated that, especially now that I'm an adult as well. I feel like I have a very open mind because my parents were really open and cool about us choosing to be who we are individually as human beings. And Growing up, my parents were together for 30 years and just recently, maybe five years ago, got divorced. And it was kind of shocking, kind of not, um, because in my family, like I said, we had really open communication. So 
we kind of knew that it was coming. Um, but you know, it's always hard when your family isn't still together. But just kind of seeing how their relationship unfolded and how my parents' relationship was when I was growing up really shaped how I view marriage and relationships and what I believe in. You'll see and hear a lot of that in this podcast. And I think that really gave me more of a realistic mindset when it comes to marriage and relationships. I am a writer, actress, content creator, now podcast person. I don't know the right terminology for that. I went to school for film and media and now I'm finishing my bachelor's degree in English. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I think that's definitely why Alma and I really connected and wanted to review this book is because we both really have the same kind of ideas and views on marriage and relationships. And we feel like it's such a touchy subject because everyone I feel like everyone still in some sense of their mind has this like fantasy idea of like, oh, I want to get married and have kids and find my soulmate and all this stuff. And that's great, but it's not that easy. Marriage isn't this easy union between people. And once you get married, everything is like peaches and cream and there's fucking rainbows and butterflies all over the place. And it's just dream world because it's not. Love isn't the only thing that you need to have a long-lasting marriage. It's about the open communication and realizing what your partner and you need from the get-go and being honest about it. So many people are afraid to just be honest about their needs and then they end up in these marriages and they're trapped and then they are so unhappy and then they go out and they cheat and yeah, and then everyone's unhappy. So that's why I think Alma was kind of one of the best co-hosts for this book because she has been through a lot of things in her journey of marriage and relationships. Alma and I have these conversations all the time over wine night at her house just about men and relationships and everything in between. And we're going to be very raw and you guys can either be on our side or not. We don't give a shit. We're here to talk about it and open your mind. We have this book called Sex at Dawn. It says Sex at Dawn, how we mate, why we stray, and what it means for modern relationships. Reading that already got me excited. So I was like, we have got to review this book. And Alma was like, oh my God, I'm so down. Yeah, for sure. The part of how we mate, why we stray, and what it means for the modern relationship is very important. A lot of people out there are trying to figure out or at least trying to have a functional relationship these days it's very hard definitely times have changed and you know i'm just out here looking for answers sydney is as well Mm -hmm. and this book definitely gives insight and some different perspectives on how to look at certain things so we're just gonna hop right into it So the first thing that I had put down that I noticed like when I was starting to read this book was on page 35. It says the standard narrative is about as scientifically valid as the story of Adam and Eve. I'm probably going to get some shit for this, but I believe that people who grow up more religious honestly are ingrained even more of this idea of a perfect marriage and your husband and your kids are happy. And women a lot of time are the ones that 
are unhappy in these situations because they're doing all of this stuff for their family and their husband and their kids and they kind of lose who they are as people because their sole responsibility then is taking care of the household. Honestly, like growing up, I grew up in an area of Georgia that was more country and it was definitely, you know, Georgia being in the Bible Belt It's a very religious state. And just growing up and seeing all these kids in my high school, and they were so ready to just settle down and have kids and get married. And I honestly was like, what the fuck? Get me out of this place. I moved to this city as soon as I graduated high school because that mindset and that idea that that's where my life was ending is when I graduated high school because I was gonna find the person I was gonna marry and then that was it like that scared me so much that I had to get out as soon as I could yeah later on in the book it definitely explains a little bit more about the cultural you have to find that one person and that's gonna be your soulmate and you guys gonna die together and the end basically something in those lines because sounds pretty trapping (laughs) it's a it's a cultural thing that's how we are taught to think but this book explains um, many other cultures throughout the world where people think differently and they actually are having a nice lives too right. with no stress yeah <laughs> it is crazy that's what i did really enjoy about this book is that it explains so many different cultures because a lot of cultures people get married really young and then they're supposed to be you know faithful and they stay with the man and the man ends up probably you know going off and doing some stupid shit and the woman's just supposed to be at home taking care of the kids and all of this stuff and it's so sad because people get trapped in these marriages that are unfulfilling and then they just feel like that's what they have to do yeah and uh for sure and the one thing that i would mention something from I guess from my personal experience from where I come from you don't see divorces so people are when they get married they are married forever basically this it's something in those, along those lines and I never thought growing up that that marriage is anything off a struggle or you know it's like that's what you need to do and people in my country get married pretty early as well so it's almost like as soon as I, I was out of high school I was already like you know I need to get married and start having kids and that's what we need to do it's like everybody does it I'm gonna do it too it's definitely a cultural thing and I have not mentioned that I'm a single mom as well so I'm definitely gonna try to teach my daughter to think differently about certain things and of course about marriage as well i'm not we're not here saying that (laughs) marriages are horrible you guys not to think about it we're not saying that but we're just basically pointing out that there's a lot to think about when it comes to relationships alone and all we're saying really is just take your time with it because with marriage there's really no rush at the end of the day what are you really getting married for for maybe security or you think your person might leave you or you just really love each other so much and you just want to rush into it whatever it is though you have time and i think that's what alma and i are just like really trying to make the point of is it's never too late to get married it's never too late so take your time be with the person that you love and get to know each other on every single level before making that decision to put it down on paper because at the end of the day too That's just a contract. It's not going to keep you guys together. You can always get a divorce, but why go through all of that hassle when you can just enjoy each other's company and not feel like you have to be in the relationship? Like you have that choice and 
You don't have to make things work because you're married or you don't have to make that person happy because you're married. You can just enjoy each other's company. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But you have to understand, which we're gonna go over in this book, that monogamy is not a natural thing. You see these relationships now where sometimes they, you know, mutually mess around with someone and those people end up lasting forever. Yeah. That's very true. Um, also, this is not from the book specifically, but I know some people tolerate their partner having an affair or something along those lines. They they would probably let that slide just so that the marriage can last and they can continue raising their kids or just, you know, having a happy and peaceful life. I feel like that would be more of like a woman of doing course. that. Yeah, <laughs> because if like a man ever found out that his wife was cheating, he'd be like, fuck you. I'm never going to be with you ever again. I'm leaving you, whatever. But a woman is always going to be like, oh, I just want to keep my family together. It's okay. Like, I'll forgive you. And then they go and fuck someone again like next week. Yeah, but wait, wait, wait. They, there is a chapter in this book that actually discuss what hurts the women more, mm. like the, the sexual uh, betrayal or emotional betrayal. And of course, women said the most of course for men it's sexual yeah women are hurt so much more by emotional infidelity than sexual like we can get over that sexual infidelity but if you go off and you're like i'm in love with somebody else you're gonna be fucking heartbroken because i feel like you connect with women on an emotional level she's out yeah of course i think sex is very important for everybody but when you connect with somebody on an emotional level you're done yeah it's over with fellas (laughs) don't let your woman get emotionally connected to any other man because that's when you'll fucking lose her ask her how her day was okay You guys, buy her some flowers, sit her down, have a conversation with her, that's all we want, and then have sex. (laughs) Okay, so we're gonna go into the part where it says, Charles Darwin proposed two basic mechanisms through which evolutionary change occurs. The first is natural selection, which we all have heard of, but then it says, economic philosopher Herbert Spencer coined the phrase survival of the fittest, but it's important to understand that evolution is not a process of improvement. Saying that, you know, even though we've evolved from this certain way of living doesn't mean that we're in a better position now. So talking about sex relationships, obviously going into like an agricultural society has not bettered us as human beings. We've actually turned into suppressing ourselves more. Uh, Very true. And people have certain expectations. And there's a little part that says, we carry the weight of modern love's uh, central anxiety, namely the expectation that romance and sexual attraction can last a lifetime of couple togetherness, despite much hard evidence to the contrary. Basically, uh, it's... It's kind of just saying it's hard out there. Like, uh, you know, relationships are hard, period. And marriages are even harder because you probably have kids involved. You have the house, the the, the yeah. cars, the everything is, you know, people don't want to deal with like thinking of, oh, he or she cheated and I want to get out of here. And then they look back and they see all this stuff and all the the years and all the kids and they're like you know what this is not worth it i'm just gonna let's just stay (laughs) there's more invested at that point than just love like you've invested your whole life and once you get to a certain age you're like fuck do i want to go out and try and find somebody else yeah it's like i'm too old for this yeah (laughs) like my parents were married for 30 years and they're divorced and thankfully they both found somebody that they truly love and they're together and my parents have still a good relationship but it's crazy like my mom's gonna be 59 this year my dad's gonna be what 61 they're getting old and i would be fucking terrified to be that age getting divorced and trying to find a partner 
that's some scary ass shit because then one of you end up alone forever. I, I mean, wanna get on Tinder at 60 <laughs> years old. I am 33 at the moment. It's even scary for me. I'm a single person, right? And I'm not actually looking for nothing. It's just, it, a lot has happened in my life where I'm at the point where I feel like being alone and just doing my thing, developing my business, just focusing on myself, reading books, exercising, you know, doing everything I want to do. It's almost like I don't even have time to think about Oh, I need to find a man because he's gonna change my life. No, nobody is gonna change your life. And that's the one thing that women make a mistake thinking that if they find a man, their life is magically gonna improve. just improve and it's gonna be amazing. And I'm not saying it's not. Only you can make yourself happy and satisfied and being in this state of mind where you're constantly in a good place. So if somebody comes along in your life, they should be there to like add, add onto to your life, life. Yeah. not change your life. I feel like so many people- Yeah, like, oh nobody's gonna change. He changed my life. Oh, why would you let somebody go and change your life? I wouldn't want anyone to change my life. I would right. want them to make it better like I love my life I'm doing the things that I want to do I'm going to school I'm an actress I've always been doing this and I think because we're both very strong independent women that we've now built these lives for ourselves and I'm in a happy relationship and my boyfriend does add tremendous amount of happiness and I'm thankful for that but he lets me do what I need to do to be happy on my own if he were to be like oh you can't go back to school or you can't be an actress or you can't do this i'd be like huh then we're not together because that's my life that's me my essence of who i am and so many women change who they are to please their partner and that's when you lose yourself and that's when you aren't happy anymore and then you're stuck i also just want to add to the fact that i was married once upon a time <laughs> and unfortunately i went into a marriage for wrong reasons i feel i was pressured i feel like i just want i was one of those women like i just felt like if i'm married if i'm out there saying like i have a husband like everything is going to magically be better for me mm -hmm which is ridiculous. I don't even know how my mindset was at that time. And I know a lot of women think that way. If you're married and if you start a family, oh, everything is just, you, you know, rainbows and roses. It's hard and you have to understand that you can know a person for years and years and still don't know them that's the scariest thing that's being in a marriage and they change that's the scariest part and that's exactly what happened to me and you start with one person and then you realize a year into it that this is not the same person like who are you what is happening and you cannot change people so at that and point you, you know that is the end because you see stuff that you don't like but you cannot change that person and thankfully i was out of it really fast i didn't stay for years and years thinking that he's gonna change or that situation is gonna get better so guys please be mindful when you're picking your partners to have kids with just a heads up if you want to be with someone forever have a kid with them because then you're literally stuck with them forever <laughs> like don't get married just have a child and then you're good and that's why it blows my mind how these women jump into a relationship they jump into marriage and then it's like you haven't even they always say be with a man through like the thick and the thin first, like the ups and the downs, be with him when he's rich, when he's broke, when he's going through a hard time, when he's lost someone, all of those things, because those things shape a person and they change, like people fucking change. I know I've changed and I'm gonna continue to change as a person. So it's like, why settle down with someone you have yet to even find out who they are? 
So then we go on to page 42 and it reads, the central premise of sexual selection is that in most mammals, the female has a much higher investment in offspring than the male does. She's stuck with gestation, lactation, and extended nurturing of the young because of this inequality of unavoidable sacrifice. Darwin reasoned that she is the more hesitant participant needing to be convinced it's a good idea while the male with his slam bam thank you ma'am approach to reproduction is eager to do the convincing. Evolutionary psychology is founded on the belief that male and female approaches to mating have intrinsically conflicted agendas. It's a lot. I mean, Alma, you are a mother and you have your own personal journey with that. So how do you feel about the idea that men are not as invested in children as women? Crickets. The one thing I will say is I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but my daughter is about to be five and I'm not even going to say the amount of time that her dad spent with her. And not just because we are, you know, fighting or anything like that. It's nothing like that. It's just like it's almost... To some men, they don't even have the, this need or, you know, like I have every day when I wake up, I have a need. I have to be with my daughter. Like there's nothing in this world that can take me away from being next to her or just spending time with her. Even if I take some time for myself, I feel guilty because I'm like, I'm missing spending time with her it's a weird way of thinking but that's just how women they're in generally they're very attached but the man i am sorry i think certain men can go years not seeing their children and they will be just fine with it it is mind-blowing the connection that a woman has with her daughter versus the connection that a man has with their children they say you know a woman's attached to their child as soon as they're pregnant they're in the womb they feel that child there and then the man becomes attached when they see their child and then they see the amount of work that we need to put in every single day 24 hours for the next 18 years and they're like okay i'm gonna go out with my boys (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go have a guy's night thank you oh you need to change diapers all night and breastfeed and i'm sorry you didn't even recover from your c-section oh but i'm sorry i really really have to go see my boys because i mean that's just very important like you haven't just been pregnant for fucking nine (laughs) Nine months months. and you don't want to drink and party with your girls what the hell it's just so selfish the amount of selfishness guys it's really amazing what you discover Mm-hmm. Once you have a child, you will see the true colors of your partner. Oh, God forbid. I'm not saying all the fathers are like this. Yeah. I'm just pointing out that there is certain men out there that really don't care as much. They, you know, they care about themselves. In the end of the day, that's what's most important. And I'm going to say it one more time. Please pick and choose <laughs> who you're having a child with yes because you have a good relationship with your dad your parents are still together your dad was always there my parents have been married for like 40 years i have only witnessed amazing marriage all their friends that constantly hang out with each other and they're all married 30 40 years and i've only experienced beautiful beautiful memories so no daddy issues over here but unfortunately life has showed me differently when it Mm comes when it came to my personal relationship so 
Do you feel like that kind of maybe then put this idea in your mind that all men are kind of like your dad and they're these good men and a marriage like your parents? Like, did that influence you to thinking, okay, I want to get married, I want to settle down because you saw how you grew up? Absolutely. I mean, uh, and like I said, it's cultural as well because growing up in Bosnia, you see couples start to date in high school and just a few years into it, they're already married, they start having kids, they stay together and that's just how it goes. It's almost like a just a cycle that is natural is normal of course that's exactly what i was thinking i'm gonna do the same thing and i cannot wait i literally could not wait so then we're gonna go into page 47 it says why do so many forces resist our sustained fulfillment why is conventional marriage so much damned work how has this incessant grinding campaign of socio-scientific insistence upon the naturalness of sexual monogamy combined with a couple thousand years of fire and brimstone failed to rid even the priests preachers politicians and professors of their prohibited desires to see ourselves as we are we must begin to acknowledge that of all Earth's creatures, none is as urgently, creatively, inconsistently sexual as homo sapiens. In the next few chapter, there's a lot of talk about how men perceive certain things. They do these studies, usually at the universities, where there was one study that has been done that there was an attractive man just going around the campus and basically asking women, like, hey, do you want to sleep with me? And, you know, women mostly were like, no, stay away from me. But then they did this opposite where they sent attractive women to, to guys and 75% of the guys were like, hell yeah. I have to do, of course. Like, let's go right now. I've got like five minutes before I have to be in class. Like, Along with a list of reasons why women probably didn't say yes to this random guy asking if they wanted to sleep with him, probably was the fact um, women have an incessant fear of being kidnapped and or stolen and raped. So I think the idea of saying yes to a random man off the street isn't a really great idea for a woman. So maybe, maybe that's another reason why 80-90% of women would say no. And then page 48 says, unlike men, such women don't yearn to eat just to stop the hunger. They're looking for a particular satisfactions presented in the certain ways where most men can and do hunger for sex in the abstract. Women report wanting narrative, character, a reason for sex. Men are just ready to go. Like, they're like, oh, I just wanna fuck. And that's fine. Like, there's plenty of women that want that too, but we want more than just the sex. Like. We need to feel connected in a way with that person. Like, why just give up the cookie for no reason, you know? I want to know that you're a good person. It says, let's take a look closer at the standard narrative focusing on the four major areas of research that incorporate the most widely accepted assumptions. So the relatively weak female libido, male parental investment, sexual jealousy and paternal certainty, and extended receptivity and concealed or cryptic ovulation. So that's kind of what we're going to be going in these next couple of pages talking about each of those individually. <clears throat> male parental investment says what does the winning male suitor supposedly get for all of his preening and showing off 
sex. Well, not just sex, but exclusive access to a particular woman. The standard model posits that sexual exclusivity is crucial because in evolutionary times, this was a man's only way of ensuring his paternity to his children. He's there to offer goods and services like primarily, you know, meat, shelter, protection, and status in exchange for exclusive, relatively consistent sexual access. He doesn't want to provide all this shit for children that aren't his. That's pretty much what it's saying. He's the one that has all of these things that we want. We want the shelter and the protection and all of that. So what we can do is give him a child. And then if we have this exclusive relationship with him, give him sex whenever he wants, then he'll give the women and their child protection, food, shelter, all of this stuff. So what does this tell us now when in today's world where women can literally provide everything for herself, mm -hmm. raise a child on her own, not just a child, children on her own, still be successful, be fine and it shows that we have very much evolved exactly and yeah certain occasions you really don't need somebody to support you in that way that used to be the case right but now you know women we've got more opportunities than we did years ago and now we can take care of ourselves we can have our own bank account and we can do all these things without a man like they talk about why marriages way back when lasted so long because women couldn't fucking do half the shit without being married or having a Man, we couldn't open a bank account without being married. And then you wonder, yeah, of course we were in these long-term marriages. They lasted because we were fucking suppressed and we couldn't do anything. I just wanted to add too, like if you look into our society now and living in the city, we both live in Atlanta, with all of these young women going out just to woo a man for security and wealth and what he can provide for her. You see it so often still. So. I see a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Almost you, sees you a lot. You don't even want to know. <laughs> these women out here too, they'll go and be with a man who is married, have sex with him, consistently and like i want to know like what are you guys getting out of this you know like are you like money how much money are you getting you're gonna go and like have sex with a married man and he doesn't ever want anything really to do with you you have you get no security out of it so you're just giving up the cookie for some money well that's that's what they want and that's what they're getting so they're fine with it because in the end of the day there's uh, plenty of women that are out there giving it for free too. So. Okay, so then when the woman gets emotionally attached and then she starts going crazy and she's like, oh my God, I need you to leave your wife. Like, why won't you leave your wife for me? And he's like, I'm sorry, this wasn't part of the plan. I just wanted some sex. Well, let me tell you, uh, yes, there's probably percentage of a woman that think that way, but um, women have been become more and more calculated in, in their moves as well. They're strategically doing certain things and they know exactly what's the outcome and what they're getting out of a certain situation. Girls are going out and you're just wanting money and like this guy to woo you and take you on trips and do all of this stuff, but you're getting no emotional like connection with this person. Like you're wasting yourself. Certain things can only satisfy you for so long. And maybe we get these images of, especially now with social media and everybody sharing their whole lives, we get the perception that those type of lives are perfect and that, you know, oh my God, I just want to do the same thing. You know, I want to be like that girl. She's always traveling somewhere. She always has nice clothes. But then you look and then you wonder, how does she get all these things? Like, what do you do for a living? 
anymore. <laughs> right. What do you have to show for yourself? You're pretty much selling your time and your soul and everything for this person that really doesn't even care about you. There is such thing as karma, okay? It's gonna come back and it's gonna bite you in the ass. It will. Maybe not now, maybe not, maybe in your next lifetime. But nothing goes, you know, without consequences. That's messed up. Why? <laughs> We're not gonna dip dig deep into this. Alma is a little flustered right now and she won't explain why. So we'll go on to the next topic. So it says hundreds if not thousands of studies have claimed to confirm the flaccidity of the female libido. From a personal experience, I went through a phase of my marriage where for a very long time, and I'm talking two years, over two years where I had no desire for nothing. I mean, that was after my daughter was born. So I don't know if it was connected with that or just like complete lack of being attracted to my partner in any kind of way, shape or form. It's ridiculous to to know that that we really do go through these phases where you feel like you don't have no thoughts about sex mm -hmm. at all can definitely have at least it happened to me so but i feel like that's because you just emotionally weren't connected with this person and you kind of just were pretty much so turned off by him that you just weren't thinking about sex yeah. it's not because you didn't want to have sex when you're so disgusted with a person and you don't like who they are like why would you want to fuck them if a man was treating you like amazing, like yeah. you are gonna wanna have sex. Men, take note. Be a genuinely loving, connected partner and she will do anything you want. <laughs> That's true. So then we go into the male parental investment and says they argue that our high level of male parental investment forms the basis for the supposed universality and that's pretty much the basis of why we have marriage because women want these services goods from this man she wants to protect her child and her and then the male wants just to know that these are only his kids so let's just get married yeah and then we'll know for sure and then we go into the issue of paternity at the core of much of men's behavior and for good evolutionary reasons in our primeval past men who invested in children which were not their own would on average have left fewer descendants than those who reared only their own genetic offspring as a consequence men were and continue to be preoccupied with paternity i mean it makes sense like i wouldn't want to go have kids if i was a man with a woman that was like fucking around on me because then i wouldn't know if those were my kids and i wouldn't yeah. want to take care of them the male's mixed strategy would be to have a long-term mate whose sexual behavior he would control or he could control keeping her barefoot and pregnant if poor, foot-bounded and pregnant if Chinese, or in high heels and pregnant if rich. Meanwhile, he should continue having casual low-investment sex with as many other women as possible to increase his chances of fathering more children. This is how standard evolutionary theory posits that men evolved to be dirty, lying bastards. <laughs> According to this standard, the evolved behavioral strategy for a man is to cheat on his pregnant wife while being insanely, even violently jealous of her. Charming. I actually highlighted that same part about do do men really tend to cheat even more when their wife or girlfriend is pregnant because their brain just goes into some other 
I don't even know, galaxy, I don't know what's going on. It's like, oh, she's pregnant. Now she's definitely trapped with me for nine months. I'm good to go. I'm about to jump on the next thing, you know? Of course, because they've got you now. Like, where are you going to go? <laughs> right. Who's going to fuck you? You're pregnant. He's like, oh, no, she's not going to do anything. She can't. Like, unless you have some, like, nympho over there that's, like, pregnant and having sex with, like, people. That's, I mean, weird, but there is porn like that, so somebody is into it. But, I mean, it's true. And then he's insanely jealous of her. And again, I have crickets because uh, I went through the same thing when I was pregnant. So yeah, guys, it's a real thing. It mm -hmm. really happens. So then we're going to go into concealed ovulation. So it says, unlike her closet primate cousins, the standard human female doesn't come equipped with private parts that swell up to double their normal size and turn bright red when she's about to ovulate. Men have no way of knowing when a woman is fertile. The vast majority of other female mammals advertise when they are fertile and are decidedly not interested in sex at other times. Concealed ovulation is said to be a significant human exception. Among primates, the female capacity and willingness to have sex at any time any place is characteristics only of bonobos and humans extended receptivity is just a scientific way of saying that women can be sexually active throughout their menstrual cycle whereas most mammals have sex only when it matters that is when pregnancy can occur so if we accept the assumption that women are not particularly interested in sex other than a way to manipulate men into sharing resources why would human females have evolved this unusually abundant sexual capacity so if we were meant to only want to have sex because we want to have a child then why unlike all of these other mammals or animals their private parts swell up so men know when they're ovulating like a, a female dog the male dog knows when she's ovulating but women aren't like that helen fisher has called the classic explanation both concealed ovulation and extended or more accurately constant sexual receptivity evolved among early females as a way of developing and cementing the pair bond by holding the attention of a constantly horny male. So saying that we're pretty much only concealing, you know, when we're ovulating so that we can keep a man's attention. Yeah. This is, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. That's, we only give a shit about uh, keeping a man. So that's why we have evolved to be this way. This is why God made us. Right. <laughs> Seeds of confusion theory posits that concealed ovulation and constant receptivity would benefit a female who had multiple male partners by preventing them from killing her offspring. So it's pretty much still saying, you know, women, we just want to keep a fucking man, which is like some bullshit. And these are all theories, guys. This isn't like the book's not saying, oh, this is why. We're just taking a deep look into how we've evolved. So guys, this is going to get pretty weird because this was a weird part for me. Page 61. So we're closely related to bonobos and chimps among the other primates, but most closely related to bonobos. So genetically, the chimps and bonobos at the zoo are far closer to you and the other paying customers than they are to gorillas, orangutans, monkeys, or anything else in a cage. Closer than a dog is to a fox, a white-handed gibbon to a white-cheeked crested gibbon in an Indian elephant to an African elephant or for bird watchers who may be tuning in a red-eyed vireo to a white-eyed vireo. More closely related to bonobos than a bird is to a different type of bird. When I read certain things in this book, it just leaves me um, questioning even more, you yeah. know, so this is probably one of those instances. Yeah, it's really crazy to think about, you know, we did 
evolve from monkeys i feel like people are like oh no there's no way like how could that happen like and, and then it goes into here to talk about how similar the bonobos are to humans crucially humans and bonobos but not chimps appear to share a specific anatomical predilection for peaceful coexistence both species have what's called a repetitive microsatellite important release of oxytocin sometimes called nature's ecstasy oxytocin is important to pro-social feelings like compassion, trust, generosity, love, and yes, eroticism. So bonobos are, are like humans. They like wanna have sex all the time. They're different from the other primates in that way, like the other chimpanzees and like apes and gorillas. They just have sex to reproduce. So our closest relative is like us. There's a part in here too that talks about they kiss each other. Oh, they look at each other in the eyes. They look at each yeah. other in the eyes. They make out with their tongue. They hold hands, they hug, and they have sex like face to face. That is crazy. Imagine if you were like you would anybody would be doing this walking through the jungle and you see two monkeys making out on a fucking branch. That's some shit right there. I'd be like, what the hell is going on right now? It's good to know. <laughs> okay, so chapter six. Who's your daddies? The birds and the bees are different in the Amazon. There are women not only can be a little pregnant, but most are. That these groups have a novel conception of conception. A fetus is made of accumulated semen. All sexually active women are a little pregnant. Over time, semen accumulates in the womb. A fetus is formed. Further acts of intercourse follow. And additional semen causes the fetus to grow more. Were a woman to stop having sex when her periods stopped, people in these cultures believe that the fetus would stop developing. So this is in the Amazon. These women have sex with a whole bunch of different men and they all come inside her and all these men attribute to the baby. They believe that. That is just ridiculous. <laughs> okay, this is one of the things that it's like almost like is this disempowering to women? Cool. It sounds like a gangbang yeah. to me. <laughs> like, oh, we have a date with uh, Sydney tonight. <laughs> uh, come on, 20 people, come on in and right. uh, feel welcome. And y'all going to be daddies. <laughs> but it says, to this end, she'll typically seek out sex with an assortment of men. She'll solicit contributions for the best hunters, the best storytellers, the funniest, the kindest, the best looking, the strongest, and so on, and hopes her child would literally absorb the essence of you. But in these societies, like, this is okay. Yeah, that is what's shocking to know that this is not the only society they're talking about. Not sure which part of the world exactly they were referring to, but there is a tradition where a woman, before she gets married, her husband makes her sleep with, like, 15 or 20 of his friends just so they can test her out. She's good to go for her husband. It's He's ridiculous. like, bro, I need you to hit this and let me know if it's worth keeping around. I was reading it and I'm like, um, and this is acceptable and normal. And I'm pretty sure her mom is on, on her shoulder, like tapping yeah. her like, oh, oh you're a good girl, good girl. Like, just right. go ahead and, you know, this is for your husband and yeah. you need to do this. It's 
absolutely mind-blowing but these but it just shows you like when your society accepts these certain standards it's, it's okay fine. we're over here stuck in a marriage they're over there having gangbangs <laughs> and parties and orgies and all this stuff with everybody's friends what the heck why do we get stuck in this society and these are things that are going on to this day we're not talking about something that used to happen this is what still happens in certain cultures in certain part of the world i mean alma Real question, would you have an orgy? Uh, no, I highly doubt I would ever, no, no. Why? It's just, if it was like a whole bunch of really hot men and hot women, like you found all of them attractive. It, that, that, it's not even about that. It's almost like there's so much deeper stuff you have to think about. <laughs> like, are we all going to get tested the day before? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, okay. there's so, so much, there's levels to that shit. And it's like... So if everyone was tested, everyone was fine, and then you had five hot girls, five hot guys together. I really, I, I really never thought about that. Like, really? if you were asking me, like, you know, threesome or something like that, I would be like, probably, yeah, fine, yeah. whatever. It's it's something easier to think about that. Uh, but to know that, like, you would be in an orgy, like, where you have a bunch of people doing... I'm not saying I never watched nothing like that. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I might watch the porn. Yeah, and even, even, doing it. even when you, you know, like, I probably am so reluctant to say yes or no because I don't know. Just because from certain times when I did watch porn where it was some crazy stuff going on. As you're watching it, you're enjoying it, yeah. whatever, but as soon as it's done, you're like, who am I? Yeah, like, let's not do this anymore. Right? Like, it's too much. Too much then, for my brain. I cannot. And then three days later, you're watching, like, even worse porn. <laughs> like, it's like you keep but, losing yourself. But I did, I did listen to another podcast, and it was talking about how, like, the porn you watch doesn't necessarily mean that's what you want. Like, exactly. There's, there's, like, porn where women are being like like raped people really are into that but we wouldn't want someone to rape us that's, that's not absolutely. what we want but i was listening to psychologists talk about it and we like that fantasy world but it's knowing that we're giving consent to our partner yeah there's absolutely a lot of stuff that you sometimes you get into it and then like i said later on you're like what the hell was i thinking <laughs> yeah what did i just watch <laughs> No, exactly. but you still watched it. But yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely very interesting to to also observe how that works. So then we're going to go into furthermore, if the nuclear triad is so deeply embedded in our nature, why are fewer and fewer of us choosing to live that way? So it's talking about the nuclear triad is marriage and a kid. So a husband, wife, and a child. In the United States, the percentage of nuclear family households has dropped from 45 to 23.5 since the 1970s. Married couples, with and without children, accounted for roughly 84% of all American households in 1930s, but the latest figure is just under 50%. While the number of unmarried couples living together has mushroomed from about 500,000 in the 70s to more than 10 times that number in 2008. So let's people are getting married i just wanted to point out there was a sentence uh that says adultery has been documented in every monogamous human society ever studied and they did a lot of studies okay so what does this tell you 
less people are <laughs> trying to go through stressful life. <laughs> like I, I the, the one thing I can say for myself since I've been single for you know like two years it's just like wow life can be so easy and with no stress because I went through a period of, of life with like three and a half years or so where I was stressed every single day because of that one person that's supposed to be there to what make me happy quote-unquote it's crazy how life can be easy mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've got friends who have like found their person and they're like oh my god we're so happy Wanna it's the be best feeling ever and yeah, yeah absolutely of course, things change, you know, like people grow, people change, people evolve. Even throughout your own journey, you're gonna, you know, when I look back just 10 years, when I first moved here to where I am right now, I am like completely different. My mindset went 360 and that shows you that we evolve throughout the years. We learn, we experience certain things that shape us in a different direction you have to expect that that in marriage both of you guys gonna evolve in a certain directions and it might not be direction you want your partner to go or the other way around but things gonna change and you either find a way to function or you don't mm -hmm. and that's in the end of the day what it is but I'm pretty sure there's amazing relationships and marriages out there where people really just found each other and they just clicked yeah I, I definitely think that one day I'll get married and have a child and I hope my marriage lasts forever and it's amazing and incredible and we might do whatever we feel like we want to do. Shit, maybe in 30 years I might have like a threesome or something and <laughs> and do say, hey, you never in know. In 30 years? <laughs> okay, not 30 years. And be like, what? Listen. 50 something. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I, I still believe in it. I still believe it's possible to have those things. Am I in a rush for it? I mean, we all have dreams and we all want to think positive about our future. So nobody wants to think about, oh, well, I'm going to die alone. I might have just 20 <laughs> cats and just die alone. Because <laughs> yeah. eventually your kid is going to leave you too. And yeah, you're going to be alone. So yeah, you it, want a life partner. Yeah, you want somebody to be there for you. But it's almost like this is a journey and it's a search mm. well if you look at like jada and will their relationship they call each other life partners right. because they both have their infidelities and everything they've gone off and done whatever but i feel like they're the ones that understand this whole connection the most i'm sure there were times they were on the verge of getting divorced but if you can find someone that you can do this life with and you can have these boundaries and this respect and everything and understand, okay, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with as a partner. We're going to go through some shit. Some way, somehow. That's the other thing. Some women are not predisposed to, the reality. to share. To the reality, first of all. And then to think that if they want to keep their partner, their life partner, or whatever you want to call them, you have to potentially share him with other person or people i mean it can be multiple i feel like i get very possessive over person that's why i feel like i'm way more happier and content when i'm alone than when i'm in a relationship because i tend to lose myself 
just the thought of him being out there or entertaining anybody else it's very destructive to me like yeah, it's, your mind yeah my like, mind just goes on fire right yeah. away so i'm just like not sure if i'll ever be able to survive those things because obviously they will happen because any woman that thinks that a man is just going to be glued to her forever and ever is it's just not realistically it's not real it's not real like i'm not saying he's gonna go out there and cheat but he will when he goes out oh he will be looking at the other women he will be doing this and that i'm not saying he will take her home too but even those things like when i think about it if i'm in a relationship that would make me mad too see my partner and i we've talked about this and we're like yeah we look at other people and be like they're attractive like yeah I think that person's attractive. She's hot. She's got a fat ass. Like, we see that. And it hurts sometimes. She's like, oh, what about me? Am I not, like, so beautiful? Like, whatever. (laughs) But you have to understand, no matter how much you love someone, your partner is going to find other people attractive. But find a partner that you're able to talk to about that stuff and then let it go. But they don't go and be like, oh, I have to try it now. She's not going to, he's not going to be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. In the book here on page 111, It says, take the words love and lust. Love and lust are as different from each other as red wine and blue cheese, but because they can also complement one another splendidly, they get conflated with amazing, dumbfounding regularity. I can add to that with a perfect quote from Goethe. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. That's how we say it in Bosnian. He's one of my favorite writers as well. He said, love is an ideal thing marriage a real thing a confusion of the real with the ideal never goes unpunished that's a deep quote it says this in the literature of evolutionary psychology and popular culture in the tastefully appointed offices of marriage counselors in the religious teachings and political discourse and in our own mixed up lives lust is often mistaken for love but it says the absence of lust is misread as indicating as absence of love at what point of marriage you lose the lust for your partner? I mean, mm-hmm. shit, I, I've experienced relationship where I lose lust after like a week. Right, and you're like, <laughs> you're like okay, I'm over it. It says, we can sleep with someone without ever closing our eyes. When we read that the politician made love with the prostitute, we know love had little to do with it. When we report how many lovers we've had, are we claiming to have been in love with all of them? Similarly, if we mate with someone, does that make us mates? Show a guy a photo of a hot looking woman and ask him if he'd like to mate with her. Chances are good he'll say or think sure. But chances are also high that marriage, children, and the prospect of a long future together never entered into his decision making process. This is me talking about men. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but Mm. I feel like anybody under 30, as a man, how do you even expect somebody who is under 30 to be responsible or just being committed to marriage? It's so early. Like, and we know that men, they get to certain points in life a little slower than women. Life pushes women to just grow mature. faster and mature faster. Whereas men, you know, they either have to do it or they're just pushed into it because... Mm-hmm. Woman well, pushes them into yeah, it. Yeah, or women, mm-hmm. usually. <laughs> I feel like a lot of men, too, 
feel like, okay, I have to get married by a certain age. I have to do this. I have to do that. Especially in traditional cultures and households. If you're raised that way, then people go and get married early. And then they're like, fuck, I haven't had sex with but maybe one or two people. Like, what am I doing? I don't even get a taste of this beautiful life. It's so important because then you're constantly wondering what your life could have been with other people, how you would be different. Like I can say I'm thankful I've been through all of the shitty, crazy relationships that I've been through because it has 110% shaped me to the person that I am now. And if I were to have gotten married and stuck with like the first person that I dated, I would be so incredibly unhappy. What's the point of life if you don't get to actually enjoy your life? While we add the chapter, I think we mentioned it earlier when I, I was not sure which part of the world I was talking about when it came to women in certain part of the world. Virginity is so unimportant. There isn't even a word for the concept in their language. I mean, we're over here like they're pushing this narrative of like husband is going to respect you so much if you're a virgin if you get into marriage like mm -hmm. that and then there's these societies in the world that they don't even have that a word in a dictionary yeah. um it's mind-blowing to see all of these different societies and like what's acceptable in their society and i think that's why a lot of people need to educate themselves on what's really going on in the world because people tend to feel alienated or they feel misunderstood because they feel different and they're like, maybe I don't want to get married. And then you see all these people like, oh my God, why aren't you married? Why don't you have children? I had someone that was older woman. She was like, oh, so you and your partner have been together for how long now? I was like, like a year and a half and she was like so are you thinking about getting married i was like um no i mean we've talked about it but it's not something that we're like oh my god we have to do this the life doesn't depend on it no and i feel like the true test to a relationship is not being married and choosing every day to stay with your partner true so that is going to conclude half of the book. And then next week we're gonna come back together and we're gonna discuss the end of the book. And then this book is over. And that means that we're gonna pick another book. It's so exciting. Are you guys not like fucking pumped right now? She is gonna read another book? We're gonna read another book. We know how to read, guys. We're smart. Very smart. We can't wait to join back with you next week. We're going to have a point where we're going to actually take in questions from people, topics you feel like talking about, your opinions, maybe stories about something you've been through that relates to the text. We are totally open to hearing and discussing it. And we're going to be reading uh, different types of book too. Of course, we're going right. to be digging deep into everything that yeah. we're interested in, right? And you know, Book Club for Baddies isn't just for women. If you're a man out there, we are here with you. You're a baddie as well. So we'll see you guys next week discussing the last half of Sex at Dawn. Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>